Hello everybody and welcome back to I Hate the IWC, a pro wrestling solo podcast where we take popular topics and debates in the world of wrestling and we debate them. We look at reasons why a certain thing was good, reasons why a certain thing was bad. I'll give my opinion on it at the end and of course the main purpose of the podcast is for you to be able to form your own opinion on something without being forced into thinking a certain way by the extremely toxic I. Today we are revisiting a match that we've already spoken about before on the podcast, which is Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns at Clash at the Castle. We spoke about the match before it happened, and we mentioned, you know, reasons why Drew McIntyre should win, reasons why Roman Reigns should win, and I said I really wanted Drew to win. Of course, he didn't. But this time we're going to try something a little bit different. We're going to reflect on the match, and most importantly, the deciding factor of the match, which was Solo Sikoa making his debut, seemingly joining the bloodline and costing Drew McIntyre and helping his cousin Roman Reigns to retain the undisputed championship. This is a little bit different because when I made the first video talking about this match, I thought, okay, I've made my reasons for why something should happen and why something shouldn't happen. I'm going to leave it. I'm not going to react to the match. But then I thought, you know what? Maybe you guys prefer me reflecting on matches rather than previewing them so we're going to try this and obviously something major did happen I did think I'd talk about the most shocking thing that happened at Clash at the Castle and it was probably between this and Dominic Mysterio turning on his dad I just don't think enough people care about Dominic Mysterio to be honest no no offense but this was definitely the thing to talk about so let me know do you prefer me doing a podcast before a match and explaining reasons why person A should win and reasons why person B should win or should I do them after the match, look at who won, and talk about reasons why that was good and reasons why that was bad? Hopefully that makes sense. But without further ado, let's talk about Solo Sikoa, Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre, and Clash at the Castle. Enjoy. So hopefully nobody minds too much, but of course I am going to have to go on a little bit of a ramble because it wouldn't be an episode of a podcast that I'm recording if I didn't. I've always said it, if you don't like the rambling and you just want us to go straight into the topic and not go off on tangents and stuff, just drop me a message and, you know, if enough people sort of say, nah, this isn't for us, then I would obviously stop and try and get more to the point. But as I've always said, when I listen to podcasts, I quite like it when people go off on little rambles and stuff like that. So I'm just going to sort of keep on doing it for now and hopefully people enjoy. I'm not going to go too off topic. I just wanted to talk about Clash at the Castle in general, really. Um, as someone who was lucky enough to be able to go to Clash at the Castle. Now, unfortunately, that sounds like a little bit of a flex. It's not meant to be. It was my first ever proper WWE show. It just so happens that it's the first one that's come after I've started a wrestling podcast. So, bearing in mind I've been a wrestling fan for over 10 years, I mean, it's a pretty strange coincidence that it's happened like that. Um, I can assure you it's unlikely that I'll be going to any more anytime soon, unless, you know, well, we'll get into this now. What did you guys think? Did you guys think that after this show, WWE should try and come back to the UK more often? Do you think Tony Khan should be hurrying up and bringing AEW to the UK? I mean, I had a great time. I thought Cardiff was absolutely bouncing as a city beforehand. They'd really embraced it. You know, the pubs were full. There were 60,000 plus people there, which is awesome, really, when you think the wrestling hasn't been here for such a long time. Um, I mean... Cardiff, tr trying to get out of Cardiff after the event was an absolute nightmare, um, but that that's a completely different topic, that just it is what it is, unfortunately. Um, it, it didn't feel like it was a place that was meant for that many people all trying to leave at once, um, 
But no, regardless of that, I mean, I thought the crowd when I was there felt great, but I didn't have anything to like reference it off. So I was sort of waiting to come out and check Twitter and see what the vibe of everyone was. And it sounded like everybody really sort of got behind it and thought, yeah, the UK fans have done a great job there. They've really elevated the show, which is good. I mean, it is always hard when you're in one of those stadiums because noise doesn't, it sort of travels strangely. You don't really know if how loud it is, especially, I mean, I was in the cheap seats because... Uh, you know, I, I mainly wanted to go for the experience, but it ended up being a good little view. Um, but yeah, it was hard. It's hard to tell. I mean, you just don't know how noise is going to come across. But having watched back, I mean, the edge entrance is incredible. Uh, they've uploaded that on the YouTube channel, and I've watched that so many times. It was such a special moment. I was so happy to get to be there because. I think we all realised we might not, you know, we haven't seen Edge for a very long time here in the UK. We might not get to see him again, so everybody just wanted to enjoy it. But also, the atmosphere for the main event felt special, and I think you could tell. There was there was a moment in that main event where you just noticed that it was affecting the wrestlers and it was affecting the match, and it just elevated stuff. So I, I absolutely love that, and I really do hope that we've done enough to convince them to come back to the UK and to move around a little bit. I'd love it if they brought it up towards Manchester, because unfortunately, everything down south is very, very expensive, and it's not always the easiest to get here from the north, especially with how dodgy trains are and how expensive trains are and everything, so... If they could bring it up here towards us, I mean, I you know, unfortunately, I wasn't living too close to Blackpool when they would bring sort of takeovers and stuff there. And when they did, was it Worlds Collide, the last one, Imperium versus Undisputed Era? But now I live quite close to Blackpool, actually. Um, and I would love it if they would bring us another show back. I mean, I think it'd be more in demand now after how much fun everyone had in Cardiff. So maybe it'd be harder to get a ticket to such a smaller venue. But, you know give us a chance anyway i'm going to talk about that more in a podcast i'm going to do talking about nxt europe because i've got a pitch idea for that that i, I think hopefully people are going to like but anyway on to talking about the main event so rather than just sort of break it down i'm not going to do like a going through the whole match and stuff i'm going to talk about the match as a whole i think because you know if you want to know what happened in the match it's right there on the network and if you don't pay for the network you can just use a fake email and get it for free i think still for 30 days that's sort of something they do right i think so so yeah the the match is there if you want to watch it but i'm going to go through little bits that i liked and stuff so first of all drew mcintyre's entrance we got it they did the thing broken dreams he didn't walk out to it but they played a video package right before his current entrance theme hit with broken dreams the crowd was singing that was awesome please use it again it is such a good theme, and it fits Drew's character as a babyface of chasing. It was, oh, it was so, so good. Roman's entrance, I mean, it took about an hour for him to get to the ring, but I thought it got the right reception. You know, I think a big criticism of UK fans is we try and take over the show because we're used to that football culture or soccer culture for anyone who's not, you know, well, really Americans or Australians, I think, are the, are the main culprits of calling it soccer uh, but we're we used to like in that sort of environment you are kind of trying to take over with an atmosphere because you're trying to give your team the advantage and we sort of take that into other shows but I actually thought in this show we, we behaved pretty well in terms of cheering the baby faces and booing the heels with the exception of Bailey but I think looking back I thought when they started with the six-woman tag that was a bad idea when when they were making their entrances and then I realized no Triple H knew we were going to sing the Hey Bailey song. You start with Bailey in the ring. 
it just got everybody going and it set the tone for the atmosphere in the night. And it sort of let us get that bit out of our system so that for the rest of the show, we'd behave. I thought it was genius. You know, we were always going to do it. It was our favourite song and we got we got that moment and we got to kick off the show with it, which I thought... So, yeah, I thought that was a really, really smart move to start with that, to be honest. But then after that, you know, we were cheering for Seamus against Gunther. We were cheering for Edge and Rey Mysterio. We were cheering for Drew in the main event. We were cheering for Liv Morgan. And now I'm forgetting the last match that I've not... Oh, no, have I spoken about all of them then? Oh, it's, it's only the first match, actually. But, yeah, that, the first match was the only one where we were a little bit dodgy because everyone loved Bailey. But no, so anyway, Roman didn't get the reception. I mean, Roman came out on his own, though. Hmm. I mean, obviously, with how the match ended, it made sense, because if the Usos were there, they could have interfered instead. But no Paul Heyman, which was interesting. Um, I haven't caught up on the last couple of SmackDowns before the show, so let me know if I've missed something. But everyone around me sort of seemed a bit confused by it as well, so maybe it wasn't just me. Um Anyway, the match started. Obviously, everyone was singing, oh, Drew McIntyre, and everyone was getting well up for it. It, it was so awesome. It was so much. It, it was my match of the night because of the atmosphere. I think in terms of actual quality, Seamus Gunther, but this match just had that special feeling about it. It felt like going to watch the football. You had your team you support, and you were desperate for them to beat the big enemy who just never loses. So anyway, the match goes on. The atmosphere continues. And we got an awesome spot, didn't we? I mean, when they showed Tyson Fury and when they made a big deal out of him being there, we knew he was going to get involved somehow. Now, in terms of his involvement after the match with the singing with Drew McIntyre, I get why people didn't like that and a lot of people were confused. For anyone who doesn't know, that's what he does after his boxing matches. The only problem was is there were probably a lot of people there who were wrestling fans who don't watch boxing and also people who aren't British or don't care about Tyson Fury who wouldn't have realised that. So probably thought when he got in the ring that he was going to knock out somebody or it was going to, I don't know, he was going to turn heel and knock out Drew McIntyre and then we'd build to Drew Tyson. I don't know, Like people probably thought that was going to happen and then were surprised when he started singing. I was surprised that it was included. I believe it was included in the network version of it. I thought it was something that they were just doing after the show for the live audience to send people home happy after the ending. But no, but you know, it's, it's a little bit of fun and hey, I thought it did soften the blow because it did suddenly feel really flat when Roman just won. But yeah, so anyway... In terms of the actual match, how he got involved, obviously both men laid out on the floor. Um, I believe the spot that had happened was Drew had hit a Claymore into Roman, which also took out the referee, if I'm remembering that correctly. Theory runs out, his music hits. There's a there's a big pop, but it, everyone was sort of like... I don't know, no one wanted him to cash in, obviously, because everyone wanted Drew to win so much. So even though when you when you're there and you're in the moment... The idea of it becoming a triple threat and, oh, we get to see the Money in the Bank cash-in would have been cool. Everyone looked at it as just more of a threat to Drew winning, so nobody wanted him to cash in. My thought was, though, and maybe, um, well, obviously I've been stupid because it didn't happen, but when he first came out, I thought, oh, my God, no. And then suddenly when he was running on the ramp, I thought, hang on, this could be how they do it. Theory cashes in, the match becomes a triple threat, Drew pins Theory. It wouldn't have quite been the moment of Drew finally dethroning Roman 
the Clash of the Castle by beating him, the unbeatable one, but it would have given you that moment, a new champion, you could have done something different, it wouldn't have felt stale, you wouldn't have wasted the money in the bank briefcase, because even though you didn't use it to make Theory a star, you've elevated Theory and made Drew a star off the back of it, but also Roman still hasn't been pinned, so you can still do the Roman being awesome thing, but just without the belts, which it doesn't need anymore. That was my thinking as a little pitch, literally while he was running down the ramp. But, in general, I didn't want him to cash it. I don't think anyone wanted him to cash in because it meant that it was even less likely Drew would win. So when he goes over to the side of the ring, he's trying to cash in, and bang, Tyson stands up, knocks out Theory. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It looked like he'd smacked him across the face. Theory sold it so well, and it was just unexpected. Now, maybe if you were watching the pay-per-view on the network or on peacock you saw it coming because of the camera angle you could see fury stand up and then go bang but from our perspective because i was so far away and all the people around me were so far we barely saw fury stand up and like we'd seen fury before when they panned to him but i'd forgotten where he was sat to be honest i knew his front row i didn't know he was there so it didn't clock to me when theory was standing over there oh he's right near fury so when suddenly this guy just like gets up, leans across and bang, it was so unexpected. And it was like the biggest proper like unexpected pop. I think everyone knew Dominic was going to turn on Ray. So it got a pop, but it was more like being polite. Like, oh yeah, you did the thing. We're going to act shocked so it doesn't look lame. But everyone sort of saw it coming really. But that was genuinely like, oh my God, Fury knocked him out. That was incredible. We loved it. Um, so yeah, obviously Theory then didn't get involved. And the match sort of, and then, and then McIntyre went across and hit Roman with the claymore, and the new referee that Theory had come had brought down ran into the ring, and you thought, oh my god, it's it, it's happening! One, two, late kick out, which Roman is so good at, obviously. And yeah, that was the closest moment for me where I thought, oh my god, Drew's done it. And yeah, it did get a serious pop out of me that moment. It was there's not much to go against because hey, it's my first ever wrestling show live, but well, one that isn't a house show. But that was, I think, my favourite sequence of events that I've seen with Theory running down and the whole, yeah, all the way leading up to Roman just kicking out. It was awesome to see. So anyway, match goes on and, you know, we, we keep going. Obviously, Roman's hit a couple of spears. Drew kicked out after two different spears, uh, both before three, which was awesome. But you knew. You knew it. It got to a point where if Drew hit one more Claymore, it was done. But if Roman hit one more spear... It was done. Bang. Drew McIntyre hits the Claymore. One, two. I thought it was three because, let me explain. Above the ring is obviously a massive screen which is showing the match. And I'd been culprit to watching the matches off the screen quite a bit because you're trying to take it in and it's so much easier to see. But I was trying to force myself, especially in this match, to watch it live because I, you know, I was there. I wanted if Drew won the title, I wanted to watch it with my own eyes. So I was like, I'm not looking at the screen. I'm watching this happen. So I couldn't really see what had happened. I was watching the pin, and I just assumed. And also, like the ring wasn't too loud from where I was sat, so I just assumed the refs handed hit. I didn't like scream celebrating because I could instantly tell from everyone's reaction hang on, he's not won, something's happened, but Roman's not kicked out. And obviously then I look and I see the guy in the hood and I look at the screen and I was like, okay, something's happened. Who on earth is that? I knew straight away it wasn't Sammy because it didn't have Sammy's physique. Sammy would have been a very cool moment, but you know, there's more to tell with that story. 
I'm interested to see where that goes on SmackDown. I don't think it would have been the perfect idea. It could have been one of the Usos, but it didn't really fit what the Usos do. They didn't need a hood up. Like they would have just ran down and got involved in the match. They wouldn't have like hidden. But it was revealed it was Solo Sikoa, which leads us on to the title of the podcast. Yes, that was a very long ramble, but it was relevant. Um, was it bad? The actual moment itself and how it happened wasn't bad at all because you managed to get Sokoa into the bloodline, which makes sense. I think everyone knew he'd always end up here. He's good enough to be on the main roster. He's a great wrestler. He's exciting. He is literally the Usos' brother and Roman's cousin. And he adds a new element to a group that has gone a little bit... It's not stale. It's still interesting. But I think the whole Roman with the belts thing now, people are ready for something new. People are ready for the bloodline to go and do something a little bit different and someone else to get the spotlight with the titles. Roman's still got the titles, but we have another element. We've got all the stuff going on with Sammy and Kevin. Now we've got Solo Sokoa. You've got the Usos with the tag belts, and you're hoping that they're probably going to lose them soon. Roman was still with the world titles. There's a, there's a lot of layers. Paul Heyman as well, obviously. There's multiple layers to this bloodline now, and I'm interested to see what Solo's role is. You know, what what are they going to do with him? You know, the Usos already have the tag belts. Is he going to go after a singles title? Are we going to get Solo Sokoa versus Gunther, maybe? Or is Solo just here to, to learn? Is he just going to be another member of the group, maybe? I'm not sure. I don't know what the direction is that you're going to go. There's a lot going on in this group now, and it's exciting. And I thought the way they did it was really good because you genuinely couldn't see who it was and then the reveal was quite shocking. And obviously after, I mean, I haven't even said how it all went down here, Sokoa pulled the referee out, then sort of jumped up and grabbed McIntyre on the apron, sort of pulled him into the ropes. McIntyre turns around into a spear from Roman and then I believe the original referee who'd still been down after that claymore gets back into the ring, one, two, three. Roman and Sokoa walk back up the ramp, Roman's still the champion, and then we get the Fury and McIntyre singing, send that crowd home happy bet. So it was a very quick finish after the Sokoa thing, and I thought that was good as well, like you just got it done, you just got the match finished. Um, I've also realised I completely missed out the Karrion Cross thing. Karrion Cross was stood with Scarlet at ringside, he threw a water bottle at Drew, and then that was it. Roman just hit Drew after nothing more came, so Karrion Cross is going to get inserted again somewhere. Not sure how, but we'll see. Anyway, back to what we were talking about. In my opinion, I didn't like this. I've explained reason a reason why it could be good, because it's very interesting and Solo deserves to be on the main roster and I can't wait to see where it goes. I don't think this was the right time to do this. I think this should have happened maybe sooner. Maybe against Brock at SummerSlam. I just think... This was your chance to give Drew his moment. But more than anything... Okay, so no, let me talk about why Drew should have had his moment. Obviously, I'm I'm biased towards the moment because I'm British. I was there. I was so wrapped up into it. But wow, you could have created a great wrestling moment. And I said when I talked about this match beforehand, don't make a moment for the sake of it. I think that moment would have made Drew feel like a star. And I think it would have allowed you to then go and do something with Drew but spin off with Roman, and I cannot wait to see what Roman does when he drops these belts. That's going to be fascinating, because as I've already said before, we haven't seen this version of Roman without the championships. 
so I wanted it to happen. Um, and I thought this was the chance to do it. But more than anything, why I didn't like this, this solo Sokoa moment would have got a huge pop and everyone would have been buzzing for it. But nobody wanted him there because we all wanted Drew to win. So when he turned up, you could say it's heel heat, but I felt more underwhelmed. My immediate reaction was, oh, for God's sake, Drew's lost. I don't know. Maybe I've been worked there. And if you wanted to turn around and say, that's heel heat, that's absolutely fine. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking myself out of this now. Because I didn't like it, but I am intrigued to see what happens on SmackDown. So so maybe, maybe it did work. Maybe I'm being harsh. But the general consensus I got was that everybody sort of felt the same. It didn't feel like the right time to bring Sokoa in. You took away Drew's moment, but Sokoa... I think it's more, if you'd done it in another city, it would have got a massive pop. And everyone would have been really excited about it. I think it felt underwhelming here. Because it was in that moment you knew Drew had lost. And the crowd suddenly were just like... Oh, we were so close. So that's my opinion on it. Please do let me know yours. But let me know where you think we go from here. Because I'm interested to know what happens with Solo Sokoa. I'm always fascinated with Austin Theory at the moment. I can't work out whether they think he's good enough to cash in and win the belts. Or if he's always just going to be this foil who just keeps on sort of getting in the way and not quite cashing in. I'm really interested by that. I'm also fascinated with the Sammy stuff. You know, where's he going to go? Is he end up, you know, going to completely align with the bloodline or are they going to fall out very quickly? And also, Karrion Cross and Drew McIntyre. I don't know what's happening with Karrion Cross. I don't really know what I want to happen with Karrion Cross. I know everyone's a bit hot and cold on him. I like him. But again, he's sort of come back, gone straight into the main event. He's not going to win the titles. So what do you do? Drew, on the other hand, has pinned Roman and would have pinned him for a three count. He deserves another opportunity, but there's no point. If you give him another opportunity, he's not going to win because if he was going to win and have his moment, he'd have had it at Clash at the Castle. So on that hand, I'm not really that interested in seeing Drew McIntyre. Maybe Drew could fight Gunther for the IC, but I mean, I'd love to see that match. But like logistically, he, he should have another shot at the world title. I just don't think it really matters now because you, you're not doing it in the UK and this was the moment and if they did that moment further down the line you'd be like yeah you missed your chance it was now so that's my thoughts on it anyway as you can tell I, I wasn't a massive fan but I think it's awesome for Solo and I think it definitely adds another layer to the bloodline which is good I'm going to make sure that I tune into Raw and Smackdown this week because I haven't for the last couple of weeks and I want to sort of see what's going on. And I think this will be a good little reset point now to, to sort of get back in and start learning a little bit more about feuds that are going to be building towards Extreme Rules, which was announced as the next pay-per-view in October. And I can't wait to see that under Triple H. I really hope he makes the most out of the stipulations because he did do that with stipulation matches in NXT. So that's exciting. But without further ado... Please follow the podcast on all socials. They are down below. Please download episodes. You know, listen to them all the way through. It does really, really help if you can do that. Thank you very much. And I will see you all very soon. Goodbye.